happy Monday, friends. This is episode six of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Balafato here with my friend and co-host, Joe Fan. Joe, I can't believe week three is already almost behind us. I mean, how did we get here so quickly? Time's flying. We've almost been at this a month now. But it was a, it was a great weekend, a great sports weekend. I did, I played some sports. I played golf. I watched a lot of golf. <laughs> spent all day yesterday on my uh, my couch that's a twin-sized air mattress because I'm still waiting for my furniture to show up. Still? Wow. Yeah, it, it's brutal. I keep calling. I'm like, hey, like, just want to get an update. He's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's been delayed again. It's like, sick. It's good. a good excuse. Good. It's a good excuse because I'm fully furnished and I still just sit on my couch all day on Sunday. I mean, what else could you want? The, the Ryder Cup is like, I don't, it's like you turn 30 and then like the Ryder Cup's all that matters at that point. Like all <laughs> like, of like things that you used to care about. Life. It's just like the Ryder Cup's happening. And I had like a, mo I actually had played golf on Saturday. I played in a little tournament, my own tournament. It was a little two-man oh. scramble. And I played with this gentleman. Uh, we like middle of the pack. Played with this gentleman that I'd never never met before. Uh, really nice guy. He offered. I, I just joined TPC Summerlin, um, and uh, I wanted to play in this tournament they had coming up. And you know, someone's like, "Hey," or the head pro was like, "Hey, does anyone want to play with the new guy who was looking to play?" And this guy was like, "I'll do it." And I was like, "Ah, you're a brave soul. I appreciate you." <laughs> so like, went out to the range Saturday morning, getting warmed up, and I was hitting the ball just terribly. And he he comes up to me, and I did I meet him. Hey, Alan, great to meet you. Great guy. He's like, how you feeling? Ready to go? And I was like, oh, yep. Feel great. Go up to the first tee, like playing with our playing partners, do like one of those where you, you spin the tee and you decide who's going first and it lands on me. And Alan's like, all right, Joe, get it started, <laughs> like baby. instant regret. <laughs> and, and I hook my first drive 50, 75, 100 yards left. It was bad. <laughs> like it, one of those were like immediately after you hit it, you just look at Alan and I'm like, Sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I owe you a beer. <laughs> yeah. When we figured it out from there, but it's crazy. And you watch the Ryder Cup and they, they come out of, like under the grandstands to the, the first tee box and they are surrounded by like 4,000 people just absolutely losing their minds. Like for the most part, golf's a pretty mellow sport in terms of like environment, gallery, all of that. But like there's like the waste management open in Arizona at TPC Scottsdale and then the Ryder Cup where it's like all rules are off and it's just a madhouse. And I just like can't imagine. I would have my tee shot on one on Saturday would have killed someone in the gallery <laughs> at the Ryder God. Cup had I been there. And those guys just they walk up and just smoke it 350 yards down the middle. And well, it's, I don't been, know. it's been cool to see how emotional the players get too. Rory like, was crying after they yeah, lost. Yeah, I mean, you it's watching insane. it on on TV obviously is going to be interesting too. But just to see how emotional they get, I'm sure the energy there yeah. is. So great weekend yeah. to be an American at Whistling yeah. Straits. <laughs> Uh, in Wisconsin, unbelievable crowd, yeah. most points ever by a Ryder Cup side with 19. So congrats to them. Yeah. Just a buzzsaw. Colin Morikawa lives in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Good for him. He's a stud. And a great weekend of football. Yeah, you were awesome, busy and awesome and sports. I, I also went to Nordstrom Rack. That's exciting. Oh. That's another thing you look forward to when you're 30. I love the Nordstrom Rack. Check Ooh. out these new kicks. <laughs> we How love Nordy. Just Woo. so everyone know, Joe is single. If anyone wants to keep him company on the weekends. <laughs> Uh, but I have to say, one Not thing I did enjoy, <laughs> it's true, one thing I did enjoy is the Twitter spaces we did. If you're listening and you didn't uh, tune yeah, in. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Joe hosted our first Twitter spaces. We're going to end up doing that more uh, Sundays, maybe Mondays. So basically, we you just hopped on there uh, during halftime of Seahawks game, and we had some people on. I hopped on there for a second. So make sure you guys are following him at Joe underscore fan, me at TV. We'll be doing some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
in the future. Tons to discuss yesterday and tons to discuss here today. Yeah, we got a ton to discuss. And luckily, we are joined by WinBet senior trader Grant Tucker. This is the first time Grant is on the show. Yes, applause, applause. Crowd goes nuts. But we will be having a trader on every Monday, which I think is going to be really important because we've started talking about where we've seen movement with money and tickets on these games. And we've been talking to the traders behind the scenes. So what's better than actually having a trader on? Yeah, I mean, this is bet to win after all. And so mm -hmm. we can we can sit here and talk about what happened, the storylines from the games. But but we want to know where the money's going, who yeah. won, who lost, and, and why, and maybe the significant plays throughout the weekend. And, and also, as we're going to get here with Grant, just how quickly things can change. So, Grant, yeah. man, I appreciate you coming here and, and yeah, being no. a part of the show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, sharing a little information from the book's perspective and, you know, kind of summarizing uh, yesterday's action. Grant, before we get into the games, just tell us about you and how you got into this field, how long you've been doing it. Uh, well, surprisingly, I'm kind of a rare breed, uh, actually a Las Vegas native, uh, born and raised here in town. Uh, so whether I knew it or not, you know, I was kind of always around gambling from an early age. <laughs> Um, and I have to say, it's kind of a joke, I like to say I was grandfathered into the industry. Uh, I can remember, I think I was about eight or nine years old, sitting there with my grandfather watching a USC game. I think the Trojans were smoking them up by like four scores or something. And I looked over, I was like, hey, can we flip a different game on? He was like, no, 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 uh, it's still, the spread's still hanging in the balance. <laughs> I said, the spread? And, you know, he broke it down for me, kind of, you know, explained things. And, you know, flash forward a couple weeks. I got the, the newspaper, I got the scissors, I'm cutting out the odds, oh, I got a pen awesome. flying, I'm picking sides, and you know, flash forward, you know, 10 years, post-graduation, you know, I just wanted to work in sports. I knew that was one thing that would, uh, you know, I'd get fulfillment out of some way, shape, or form, I had to work in sports. And uh, so I actually took kind of like an admin role. Um, it was kind of, you know, behind the scenes, a lot of grunt work, and I just tried to be a sponge and just, you know, listen closely, just try to learn as much as I could. And, you know, flash forward, you know, now I'm here at WinBet. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't be more excited for uh, what's on the horizon for us. It's a fascinating career path. And I'm curious at what point, and maybe you're still going through that to where, like, you have to be confident and you have to make decisions. You have to be decisive. You can't be wishy-washy about stuff when establishing lines and moving lines and working with the rest of the trading team. Like, I, I myself, like, pivoting into this space from the beat reporting world, like, it's super easy to have imposter syndrome of, like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm definitely not a pro. Like, I'm just another guy throwing darts like everybody else, which is part of the fun. And it's, it's meant to be entertaining. And like, you know, I certainly don't do this to be a pro. I don't want to be a pro. But like, it, you are. This is this is your life. This is your world. And so how do you get to a point to where you can look at a game, look at two sides, look at results, look at trends, and say, I'm confident in this number? Like, how do you get there? Because I think yeah. that, to me, is fascinating. Because your decisions and your team's decisions impact everything else that happens mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's a lot of guys uh some of them you know they're model driven you know a lot of stats guys some people you know they're like oh i know this side's right you know i watched them last week you know recency bias stuff like that but i think the the real you know the the way to do it it's kind of a hybrid of everything mm -hmm. kind of you know you need to have stats you need to you know be in tune with injuries you need to know coaching styles kind of the hybrid model is kind of the way to do it and uh you know our trading room we have a great group of guys and we kind of just blend everything together and yeah, we got we got a great thing going on. I love that. That's dope. That is so interesting because, and I always talk about when when we have people come on or I go on other shows, they'll kind of ask me like, "What's your handicapping process?" I'm like, yeah. "Well, I really just research the games, and 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 that's what we kind of all do." And then we talk about how did the book get to this number. So, 
I always enjoy talking to you and talking to Sawyer before the shows um, to kind of see where we're seeing the money, where we're seeing the tickets. And then come Monday, we look back on Sunday shows and say kind of where did the book win? Where did the public win? Which I want to get into a little more specific. And I think the easiest way to do this is just to talk about the game. So we have the Chargers Chiefs, right? Chiefs were seven point favorites going into this game. Chargers win it 30 to 24. Chiefs started off kind of on the wrong foot. Lots of turnovers for them uh, came down to being tied late in the fourth. Mahomes throws an interception, gives Herbert and Chargers the ball. Chargers get it done with the upset. Um, so they covered. They didn't even need the points. How does that affect the book, and what does it kind of look like on your side of things when it comes down to that? Yeah, well, this, this game was kind of interesting. Uh, AFC West showdown. Both teams were coming in off losses, which was kind of unexpected. And I feel like the public really saw, you know, the Chiefs in Sunday night football, you know, the fumble at the end, you know, they kind of, you know, tripped over their own feet against the Ravens there when it looked like they were going to, you know, pull through. And so early in the week, um, we saw Chiefs money all the way up until Sunday. And then Sunday, it turned out the wise guys came to town <laughs> and Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the book, let's see here. Yeah, so pros versus Joes matchup. Moral of the story, you had the pros all over the Chargers, Joes on the Chiefs, and yeah, I mean, the result, the final score was 30-24, and there was, if, I don't know if you guys recognized it, at the end of the game, there was actually a missed PAT, so that kept the total under, which mm -hmm. also helped the book out a ton. This was our biggest winner of the day, um, and yeah. I think this is a fascinating game for a lot of reasons. I think when... The, our guts and our intuitions play a large role in terms of how we make plays, especially as public sharps are, are probably more data driven. But I think there's a lot of people that said, there's just no way Patrick Mahomes goes one and two, not at home, even though it's against the chargers, it just doesn't happen. So it's easy to bet chiefs money lines, easy to che tease the chiefs down to where it was a pick them. But, but did you look at this game and like the chiefs margin for error right now is so slim mm -hmm. because their defense isn't good. Like, not just like, it's been bad. We saw that against the Ravens in week two, and we saw that against the Chargers in week three. So you start the game with three turnovers in your first three possessions, you're going to have a tough time. Even though they climb out of that hole, you're still playing a damn good football team on the other side. They're just 1-12-1 against the spread in the last 14. Like, we can talk about how much trends mean, but this is a team that I think is so, it, it's so sexy because it's Patrick Mahomes, he's the best player in the league. But when it comes down to it, Winning games and at least or covering spreads and, and largely big spreads like this one at six and a half, ending at seven, with three players Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. Those guys are all world superstars, but without an offensive line, without a defense, again, the margin for error is so thin. And you're really seeing that the Justin Herbert is, is already in that tier with Patrick Mahomes. Mike Williams looks like Clemson Mike Williams. He's been a star. Keenan Allen continues to be a star. And so this Chargers team is a whole lot of fun. So to me, I went into this and, and it was an easy tease the Chargers way because, mm -hmm. gosh, you can get the Chargers at two touchdowns. I don't think there's any way that, that they don't cover that. And it turns out they win straight out. So congrats to you guys who had Chargers money line tickets. But it is a, a good point, Grant, that, that you make when it's you see pros versus Joes. I think everyone just thinks, I don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. They ain't going one and two. And here they are because that team has some serious deficiencies. Right, you mentioned recency bias, which I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, so are you guys expecting kind of the public to be fading the Chiefs after this game, or what are you expecting to see for week four? 
Uh, you, you know, I mean, like he was just like Joe was just saying. I mean, it's Mahomes at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be on you know the other side of anything like that. But like you said, the defense really does look brutal. And I mean, Mike Mike Williams had a heyday, like you just touched on. I mean, the one thing that stuck out from this game to me was it's just really refreshing to see the Chargers close a game out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> although they tried to not. I mean, yeah. they tried to make it interesting. Yeah. They're going to kick the field goal. They're going to go for it. They have a penalty. They're going for it on fourth and nine. They get this, the Chiefs get a stop. You it looks like, but then there's a penalty. They score a touchdown. Then they miss the PAT. It's like they tried to charger. They tried to go full chargers and they didn't. But you're right. I mean, this is a team that we're used to seeing just choke so so egregiously at the end. Yeah. We definitely had our blood pressure tested this weekend, I think, for pretty oh, yeah. much every game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miami Raiders, too, is a good example. Raiders were three and a half point favorites. They take down Miami in overtime to stay undefeated, which I was saying this to Joe earlier. I just can't believe that the Raiders are undefeated. It's great for them and, and for Vegas. Uh, two out for Miami, so we knew this was going to, you know, that was an edge for the Raiders here. I'm sure led to them being favorites. Uh, Brissett stepped up, especially down the stretch, not really quite enough. And then Derek Carr on the other end is getting him name, his name into the MVP conversation. Like, did we expect that? <laughs> you know? So I want to talk about overtime. And again, from the book side of things, what are you guys seeing in terms of live betting versus what you were seeing action pregame? Yeah, well, I mean, so we actually opened this game at four, and we took some respected bets on the Dolphins right out the gates, moved mm-hmm. it to three and a half. And as the game went on, so the public's already over the Raiders. So you would think maybe, you know, Dolphins up early, maybe they're, you know, they're trying to switch sides or something. Nothing like that. Just Raiders money down the yeah. chimney all game long. And yeah, so, I mean, the, the landing three was the best result for us. This actually was the second best of the whole entire weekend. And, yeah, it's never a good feeling when you need Jacoby Brissett to get within a number. But, I mean, time and time again, I mean, this, this game never ended. Like, it just kept going and going and going, and mm-hmm. the Dolphins came back. I mean, last play of the game, they go into the end zone, go for two, get it, go to overtime. And, yeah, landing three was, was really good for us. This was a really fun game from a betting standpoint, really no matter what side you're on because there's so many moments where you're either like, please, God, let this game continue, or just like, just end it now. Take knees, be done. (laughs) Like, if you're a Dolphins plus three and a half better, and John Gruden is still running plays inside the 10-yard line without kicking that field goal, and you're thinking, just kick the field goal. Win by three, move on. We all win. That's it. And in a book, I'm sure it's the same way. I mean, when they're lining up for two at the end of regulation, are you guys sitting there in your trading room and saying, just don't get it? Exactly. Raiders yeah, win by Raiders win by two. Yep. Move on, game over, we win. And so what, what are you collecting at that point? So you're collecting all of the Raiders spread tickets and the Dolphins money line tickets, and that's where you get the, the book edge there? Yeah, see, that's the thing is like sports betting can be such an interesting thing. All game long, we're cheering for the Dolphins. Very last play of the game, two-point conversion. Now we're cheering for the Raiders' defense. Like, the swings are just incredible. And, yeah, that, that's exactly – landing three in OT was the best possible result. When Gruden was running the ball, we're like, what is this guy doing? The clock's ticking <laughs> down. He's still handing it off. Like, it was going to be a 25-yard field goal, and he's still running plays. Like, I don't know what was going on, but we got there in the end. This uh, Would a tie have been better for the book than Raiders winning by three? Uh, slightly, but it really, it would have been a couple peanuts here or there. Nothing, okay. nothing crazy. So yet. as long as it wasn't a touchdown, the Raiders covering a three and a half, yep. you were good to go. Um, I think it's a, a team that they're three and oh, Derek Carr deserves his flowers. He's been tremendous. Um, I think for me, the biggest note, the most noticeable difference, Derek Carr is his deep ball has taken such a step forward year over year. He's playing 
more fearless and aggressive than I've ever seen him play. To me, I, I envision Derek Carr as a game manager, dink and dunk, don't lose the game, good enough to win you games, but not necessarily the, the reason why you're going to potentially be a Super Bowl contender. He's making throws this year that are upper echelon tier one. That overtime throw, the 34-yarder to Brian Edwards, who is their overtime savior so far through three games this year. Both of their home games have gone to OT, including that week one thriller against the Ravens on Monday Night Football. But like Derek Carr taking that step is huge. Their offense taking a step forward where the passing game is multiple, where it's not just Darren Waller or Bust. And that was the big thing you take away from the Monday Night game against the Ravens. You're saying, especially in regulation, until they got Brian Edwards involved in overtime, it was Darren Waller or nothing. That was it. And now you see Henry Ruggs getting involved with four catches for 78 yards. Brian Edwards had three for 89. And this is an offense now that can win you games. The defensive line with Yannick Ngakwe, Michael Nassib, um, and Max Crosby, who continued to eat. And obviously, you don't want to see him blow a lead late to a Jacoby Brissett-led offense. But this is a team that I think will be a tough matchup for whoever they're playing each and every week. I'm excited to see where this Raiders team goes. And we talk about consistency so much, too, and with teams and with quarterbacks especially. And I like using Rodgers as an example just because I think that's the one everyone's talking about the most. You know, we all overreacted to week one. We saw something a little different in week two, week three. Okay, Rodgers is Rodgers. Where Carr is looking like one of the more consistent quarterbacks, I would say, and the offense in general. And what I want to ask you, Grant, is in terms of schedule and strength of schedule, how much and I'm sure you guys do weigh a lot on strength of schedule. Can you kind of explain that in terms of when you are putting numbers down on these games? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's easy to overreact right out the gates. You know, you see, uh, you know, the Packers struggle mightily against the Saints. Mm-hmm. That's a kind way to put it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm yeah. a Packer fan. I'm taking them light. I'm taking yeah, them light. No, yeah, I like that. Makes I like sense. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's easy to overreact early in the season. And, you know, you can look at strength of schedule, but it's all based off, you know, previous data from last year. You know, this team was good. This team wasn't good. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's trades in the offseason. People are moving around, different coaching changes, different schemes. You know, there's a lot of different things. So it's kind of tough to take the strength of schedule into uh, into account this early a little too much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's certain spots, like you guys are just touching on the Raiders. Like, I think that they have a true home field advantage. And in the NFL, that's very rare. You know, a lot of these mm-hmm. places, you know, you know, this, the crowd's there, but, you know, they don't really have an impact on the game. You know, they're not like there's Arrowhead, places like that, but there's just not many examples. And so we kind of look at home field advantage, I would say, more often than uh, strength of schedule, especially this early on into the season. Well, I don't know if the Rams being home helped them, but it definitely, it definitely gave them a little edge. They ended up winning 34-24 to 24 against Tampa Bay. And pregame, we saw the spread kind of go back and forth between the two, came down to a pick And I want to talk about that movement as well. Uh, Stafford, another one making his argument for MVP. He passed for 343 yards, four touchdowns. Brady found himself in a little bit of pressure situation, sacked three times, held to just one touchdown. I do want to talk about this movement, though, because we knew we had two strong quarterbacks, two strong offenses coming into this game. Why did that spread go kind of back and forth between the two, and how did it come back? Pack yeah, so, so we opened this game, actually, Rams minus two early in the week. And we just got Tom, Tom money, Tom money, and some more Tampa Bay money. And actually, on game day, Sunday morning, get into the office, just all kinds of Rams money just flooded the market. And we went to pick. And me personally, I, I, in my eyes, this is a pick'em game. These are two super even teams, the Rams at home. This is the definition of a pick'em game in the NFL. And I mean, like you said, Stafford was magnificent. And 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to be the one to say it. I think the Rams are the best team in the league right now. Mm. They played like it. I, this is a game I stayed away from as well. I just I didn't have a feel for where it was going to go. There's two defense to give up a lot of points. And anytime it's going into a shootout at a pick em, you're like you just it's one fluky turnover. It's whoever gets the ball last. And I was like, I want no part of that. I'm just going to watch this game and enjoy it. But I think there's important takeaways from this Rams team. I mean, remember just a, it was just a couple of years ago when the Patriots really embarrassed the Rams offensively, at least in, in that Super Bowl, where everyone's saying, is Sean McVay figured out? Has the league figured out Sean McVay? And then the next couple of years, Jared Goff were sort of a roller coaster to where now with Matthew Stafford, it's like, okay, is he going to be the piece that gets it moving again at the clip it was when Sean McVay first arrived in Los Angeles? And so far, it is. He's been tremendous. I mean, heck, Deshaun Jackson put up three catches for a buck twenty and a touchdown. Stafford almost also missed him twice deep when he was open. Cooper Cup, I don't know if anyone ever covers him. He's wide open <laughs> every single play. It's like, hey, let's just we need a touchdown. Let's just run the let's just run the Cooper Cup wide open play, and then they run the Cooper Cup wide open play, and then Cooper Cup's wide open and they score a touchdown. Like, I don't. It's probably cliche to call the white dude crafty, but like <laughs> between how Sean McVay is able to scheme guys open, and then the ability for Cooper Cup to get open and execute. He is so good. And we don't talk about him enough in terms of the league's best receivers. And it's easy to, there's so many good ones in the league. So I get it from that standpoint, but like you look at fantasy drafts, Robert Woods and Cooper cup were taken like back to back and Robert Woods is invisible. That's something against Robert Woods, but Cooper cup when he's wide open every play, Mm -hmm. he's two more touchdowns. Like I think he's got five through three games. He's been tremendous. And so, and you look defensively, the Rams' defense is leaky. They're not perfect. They have their flaws. But there's a lot of bad defenses in this league, but there aren't bad defenses with elite pieces that can turn the game on its head at a moment notice. Even if the Rams are giving up, what was it, 500 yards yesterday or almost, Tom Brady had 432 passing yards, Aaron Donald's going to get his. He's going to have two or three plays where it's a clutch third down sack, it's a sack fumble, it's a, it's a clutch pressure to get off the field. Jalen Ramsey's going to have a player two like that. So... That's, I think, when you look at edges, the Rams aren't a perfect team. We've seen that through a couple of weeks. We saw it against the Colts where the Colts had a chance to win that game at home in week two. But you have those pieces there that, that at least give you that edge, even though the defense isn't, isn't necessarily elite or dominant. So a really impressive game from Los Angeles. And I agree with Grant that you have to say, if you're making power rankings, they got to be number one. With all of that said, though, I have to say, I just had no doubt when I saw Sean McVay run into the locker room with oh. the amount of excitement that that man had. After the blocked field goal going said, into halftime? I said, everything else that doesn't a, matter. That was that, that was awesome. <laughs> They're winning this game. He was fired up. He, they blocked the kick going into halftime, and I don't know if I've ever seen him so charged up. Like now, He like ran onto the field to be charged with his, his teammates, and he's like, yeah. I got to sprint back to be the first one in the <laughs> locker room and like weaves his way through all like, of his players. He was that to kid to running to the lunchroom in middle school. You know, those few kids first. who sprinted first. <laughs> first. Got their first. Got to get that American shop suey. And yeah. Sean McVay got it. Uh, <laughs> when Stafford, uh, we're talking about him. I want to talk about his, the movement we've seen with the MVP futures odds. He started at 15 to one. He's the favorite now at plus 500. Kyler Murray behind him. He started at 20 to 1. He's at plus 600. Brady, Mahomes, Herbert Allen. Talk to me about that movement with Stafford and kind of why we're seeing this big jump. Aside from, you know, 
the skill that we've seen from him where the tickets and money are coming in there. Yeah, I mean, Stafford's always been a good quarterback. He just hasn't really had a good, you know, supporting cast around him. Now he's got McVay, you know, drawing up the plays for him. Like you said, Cooper Cup's wide open every play. That kind of mm -hmm. helps things. And like I said, I mean, the Rams' defense is going to get the ball in his hands. They're going to get, you know, the other team off the field, and they're going to, you know, give him great chances to succeed. And like I said, I think they're the best team in the league. You know, his stock's automatically going to rise. A uh, huge win yesterday. It's only going to keep rising. And, yeah, so he's, he's definitely at the top of our board for MVP right now. Yeah, when you, when you could put the numbers, I mean, if you're 0-3 and putting up those numbers, it feels like empty calories. But when you're putting up MVP-type numbers with a 3-0 record, it makes for quite a good combination for, for your chances at winning. So, I mean, yeah, he's, uh, it makes sense that he's the front runner in my opinion. You guys, I'm sure, were hoping for the Niners to win but not cover. Did it end at 3.5? Uh, we actually closed three. It was closed a heavy three. heavy three. Three minus like a buck 25. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play a great game by any stretch, but leads a touchdown drive with Kyle Juszczyk scoring a 12-yarder uh, at the end of the game. 37 seconds left. Robbie Gold's PAT makes it Niners by one. And at that point, right, you guys are celebrating yep. cautiously. Yep, yep. And all it takes is 37 seconds, two plays from Rodgers to Devontae Adams, sets up a 51-yarder from Mason Crosby. I still can't believe the kick wasn't blocked. Yeah, I know. How did he even I've get that I watched the replay several times, and he was there. The ball either went above or below his arm, but and you got that, and it shows you. I mean, the the public gets one back on you, where you guys had a, a good day overall, and it looks like it's going to be the perfect Sunday in yeah. Week Three. Yeah, no, it looked like we were going to come out unscathed. It looked like it was going to be one of the best Sundays I could ever remember, and then they kicked off the Sunday night game, and the <laughs> Packers got out to a crazy big lead. Uh, you know, the crowds, you know, want Lance to get out there. All of a sudden, Jimmy G leads a comeback. It looks like the 49ers are going to really pull this off. And, and the best result for you guys would have been Niners by one or two, correct? Yep, yep, exactly. But it turns out 37 seconds and no timeouts is too much time. Don't and leave any time on the clock. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, the field goal as time expired was really just a cherry on top of just a terrible result. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, nail in the coffin for the day. Everything that we won, you know, from Chiefs game, Bucks game, uh, the Raiders game during the day, gave it all back, basically. And, and the public and gets it back. I, I, I love having you here, Grandpa. Like, we're the public. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, we're, yeah. the, we're the blind monkeys throwing darts and hoping that we yeah. win. And so, you know, I, it's, it's interesting to learn of where the, buck, uh, the book took our money. But, like, it's also nice to know when we got some back from you guys. So Yeah, now you guys are all uh, loaded up for tonight's game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a, it, the Niners are a really interesting team because they're they're now two and one, but Kyle Shanahan's got decisions to make at quarterback, and he looks like a guy who is so sick of like he's like a he's like someone who's sick of their boyfriend or girlfriend, but doesn't think they can get better. <laughs> like that's he clearly doesn't think Trey Lance is ready. Otherwise, he'd be in there. But like after that, just like inexplicable, inexcusable fumble late in that game by Jimmy Garoppolo. You see Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan on the sideline, and he's just, like, seething. And he's just, like, red in the face, mad. And he's like, I've seen this movie too many times, this quarterback who doesn't have enough carrot with, like, the deep ball or big plays, but far too much stick with just, like, what you, it feels like rookie turnovers and, and just poor decision-making. I'm really curious to see where this Niners team goes, especially the quarterback position. Well, I was going to say, I think that's one of the biggest headlines, too, we've seen at this point is just, can you trust the rookie quarterback? So I'm sure from a coach's point of view, too, it's like, do mm -hmm. I really want to put myself in that conversation or should we just let him kind of sit on the sidelines 
and warm up and then put them in there when we really need them. Yeah. All right, Grant. Yeah. That is the last game we have. Awesome. Yeah, thanks <laughs> Thank for having so me Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I said, we're going to do this every Monday with traders. I know Grant's gone next week, but I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Awesome. Yeah, I really guys. appreciate it, man. And the info. Uh, I apologize about the Packers game, but like, not really. You know, it's, <laughs> it's nice to win one every once in a while. Yeah, we need to win a little too, you know? Yeah. I think it's uh, – I, I, I love – you look at this Packers team, I think so far through three weeks, there are, there are two major anomalies. And it was the Steelers beating the Bills in week one. And it was, and it was obviously the, the Packers getting just obliterated by the Saints mm -hmm. in week one. And now you see Aaron Rodgers still very much um, an MVP, a reigning MVP of the league, Devontae Adams. Talk about, about players who aren't talked about enough. He's easily a top five, if not top three, if not top one receiver. It's, it's crazy to me. You know, you also look back, it was kind of like the, the opener of the season when the Cowboys kick a go-ahead field goal. And the Bucks have a minute, and you just think Tom Brady's going to get it done. And then this one, you're like, it shouldn't be possible. It shouldn't be possible for Aaron Rodgers to find Devontae Adams twice to get into field goal range without a single timeout. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you not quadruple covering Devontae Adams? Right. And yet they find a way, and they make it happen. They and it's up. just remarkable. It's, it's a joy, as Aaron Rodgers said beautifully in his post-game interview, it's hard not to be romantic about football because when, when elite players come through, it's just, it's a joy to watch. So uh, not for Niners fans, obviously, or the book, but, uh, but we enjoyed watching that as fans and at the public. So we can agree the speculation that Aaron Rodgers was trying to tank the season is not true. Yeah. <laughs> that is not confirmed. It's a bummer because I liked that conspiracy theory, but yeah, it, <laughs> it doesn't fun. seem like that's accurate. I mean, yeah. But there was other great week three moments. And, and in games that we, we couldn't break down with Grant, maybe not where the money was, but, but still fascinating results. Um, I think you look at the, the New Orleans game. We talked about that on Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I kind of said maybe at, at some point that, that Mac Jones was going to have the turnover game. He hadn't had one uh, in his first two weeks. He had three picks on Sunday. And um, let's just toss real quick to Bill Belichick, who had just a peak Bill <laughs> Belichick reaction to Mac Jones having a clunker on Sunday. Bill, what did you see on uh, Mac's uh, interceptions? Well, Same thing you saw. <laughs> I love too that he took eight seconds. <laughs> it sounds there. like you got you've seen Frank Caliendo do his Bill Belichick impersonation. That yeah. sounds like the Frank Caliendo mm -hmm. Bill Belichick. Yeah. Well. <laughs> huh. well. Probably the same thing you saw. <laughs> well, that was actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Good. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. I mean. It's disappointing, but he has a point. Like, yeah, he saw the same thing we did. The O-line just isn't really doing enough for him. I think Mac Jones is doing all he can. He's getting pressured. They allowed eight hits on him. Yes, three picks isn't great, but is it, is it because we have too high of a ceiling? We keep saying, well, he has the coaching staff. He has the weapons around him, so he has an edge on the other rookie quarterbacks. Is that it, or are we just kind of seeing these rookie mistakes that we should have expected but we were just kind of giving him this edge because he's on the page. Oh, and they're going against a good defense. I mean, right. Marshawn Lattimore, first-round pick. Um, you know, Malcolm Jenkins still getting the job done. Um, I mean, they have pieces, especially in that secondary, that will make you pay for mistakes. So that's why this was, it was this game, 
and the Bengals game where I, I, I looked and I said they're going to be low scoring and I view them as, as mostly a toss-up. Why not take the points of the underdog? Mm -hmm. Both of them ended up winning comfortably outright uh, with the Bengals beating the Bears. Um, a second wild moment, and, and we're kind of like, you know, Bill Belichick is just funny. Uh, the Jaguars lost to the Cardinals. They, they made him sweat for a second. And as someone with the Cardinals in a, in a money line parlay, I didn't love where that game was headed. The Cardinals ended up winning comfortably. But um, just before the half, the Cardinals try a long field goal. And the longest play in NFL history ensues. Jamal Agnew returns a missed field goal 109 yards for the score, here's how it sounded on Jags radio. It will be short, and Jamal's going to bring it out of there. To the 5, to the 10, to the near sideline, 20-yard line. Jamal Agnew still on his feet. Jamal Agnew broke a tackle to midfield along the left sideline. Jamal Agnew, he's still in bounds. He's still in bounds. He's going to score. Jamal Agnew brought it all the way back. Touchdown, Jacksonville. That's good stuff. I mean, uh, I have goosebumps. Like, even though I saw it, you, I still have goosebumps. Gus Johnson's call on CBS was just, I thought yeah. Gus Johnson was going to pass out in the booth. <laughs> that was like Auburn, Alabama all over again. The Iron Bowl when Chris Davis did it, mm -hmm. bringing it back. And that was the end of the game, obviously. But um, an insane, an insane finish there. Man, we, we're, we're going to talk a lot about where we're right because it's more fun to talk about where we're right than when we're wrong. But yeah. my goodness, I couldn't have been more wrong about the Jags. Trevor Lawrence is struggling mightily. I don't think he's being a, put in a good position with Daryl Bevel. Um, uh, why can't I think? Urban Meyer is struggling as an NFL head coach out of the gate. Trevor Lawrence throwing multiple picks in all three of his first three starts. The Jags look terrible. I took the win over thinking they were going to be more competitive in what I think is a very poor division in the AFC South. But um, a, a nice highlight for Jags fans to, uh, to at least enjoy on Sunday. Jamal, you can't take that away from him. 109 <laughs> yards to the house. No, you cannot. Should we get to winning picks? We got one more before we get to winning oh, picks. Oh, it was the tail of two field goals. You are right. Because the Baltimore game won, and we're going to get, I won my parlay, thank goodness, my five-leg heavy favorite money line parlay. The Ravens never should, I should not sweat that game at all. Marquise Brown is on my, I don't know if I can say that word, but he's on my bad list. You know, I, got, I would put him... My shit list. Fine, I'm going to say it. I don't know if I can say it. Cole can edit it <laughs> we'll out afterwards. It he's on my, he's on my shit list. He dropped like three touchdowns. The Ravens had every chance to win that game by 21 points. And yet the Lions kick a go-ahead field goal. Lamar Jackson takes an ugly sack at the end of regulation. And it's like third and 19. The game is over. Hail Mary to Sammy Watkins. Gets 30-plus. They should have had to delay a game. Didn't get called. Justin Tucker lines up for 60 for a 66 yard field goal would be an NFL record and here's how it sounded on the broadcast a 66 yard try Tucker's kick is on the way it is good it's crossbar and it tumbles through it is good time has expired Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history the hay is in the barn and it's mayhem on the field the hay is in the barn let me tell you, just I I, uh, I attend the Church of Justin Tucker from here on out because we talk about like who's on my my bad list. Clyde Edwards Elair last week cost me. Oh. Damian Harris in Week One. The gambling gods gave me one back in a big way 
with Justin Tucker setting an NFL record, a 66-yard field goal, which which leads us into our winning picks. And I'll, I'll let you take it, but thank thank you, thank you, <laughs> Justin, my guy. He is your kicker. Uh, yeah, winning picks. Finally, finally, you gotta win. I gotta win. Which that that sounds so bad. I win. It's just my best bets had not been winning. You were but due. We're on the board. There we go. So You're on the win. board. Yeah. Well, we are gonna we're gonna restart every month just because. Also, <laughs> I'm getting robbed here, Cole. What are we doing? My parlay was I was at. You no, know, we can't. Uh, we got we got some bones to pick here. <laughs> I'm up 2.3 units because my parlay yeah. was at 2.3. Yeah. yeah, but that's okay. We can just, let's just Cole, focus don't on make me. me add you, let's to just focus you on and Marquise me. Brown are on the same list now, Cole. <laughs> shortchanging me. You hit a parlay, my producer's shortchanging me. God, we have also a tweet of you wearing some weird mask, like to get rid of whatever oh, the bad yes. juju you had yeah. going. Can you maybe explain? That was me. Yeah. What was, was happening? I was with watch- that, like wearing like a scream mask or like a Phantom of the Opera or. Yes. Well, first of all, this is for your skin. It's supposed to give you clear skin. So I, I found it. I put it on. Uh, this was me watching college football and I had lost the first game of the day. And I was like, all right, I got to redeem myself. I had Wisconsin. Uh, I put this on. Just because you like had a gut game. feeling, like this is going to work. Well, if I do, if I start doing something, like if I have a certain sweatshirt on when I'm watching a game and I'm doing well, I keep that sweatshirt on. Or if I'm if I'm doing something, and this felt like even more extreme. So, and it, and it hit. Wait, so by that sweat. logic, you will now spend every game wearing this mask. Wearing this mask, and I'm going to have flawless skin. <laughs> That's a thing. You put a mask on, and it makes your skin better. It like has lights in it. And wow. I don't know. I buy a lot of stuff off of Amazon. For sure. Or as you would say, a lot of shit. I buy a lot of shit off of Amazon. That so. is next level. Well, yeah. congratulations. You hit what well, it was you. a two leg teaser, Cardinals and Panthers. Cardinals, Panthers, yeah. And I did well with college as well. Thank you, thank you. I love you. that. You're on the board. Go ahead. What was your what was your you. pick this week? Uh or uh, this this show. Not yeah. this week. This show tonight. We got Eagles, Cowboys, Cowboys. Three and a half point favorites. Um, I think I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. And I don't know if this is because I have him on my fantasy team, so it's going to be nice to kind of root for him in two ways. But I like that. Over 250 passing yards. Both teams are dealing with injuries. And Cowboys, we've talked about their defense anyways. They're dealing with issues on defense. Eagles, some injuries on O-line. Philly's O-line has the seventh best pass block rating, according to Pro Football Focus, which I, I know you love that website. I do, too. I do love Pro Football Focus. Uh, and they're facing a Dallas team who's allowing the most passing yards a game. I know you want to look at who they faced. It was Brady and Justin Herbert. But still, it goes to show something. Uh, it was the most passing yards allowed in two games in their franchise history. So, um, Jalen Hurts, over 250 passing yards. This is one I... I I feel like I was trying to go for some receiving props or something, and I actually might, if you follow me on Twitter, I might throw some props up later, but it's over 250 passing yards is my best bet. Okay, I like it. Uh, one final note, uh, as we are in the Church of Tucker, um, Justin Tucker, according to my guy Field Yates, who, shout out to Field Yates, he's my boy, ESPN, total stud. Uh, how about this for a stat? Justin Tucker has now made 50 straight field goals in the fourth quarter or overtime. 50 of those 50. 21 have been from 40 plus, seven from 50 plus, and now one from the 50 or from 66, the longest kick in NFL history. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of clutch. So that was Panthers, Cardinals, Ravens, Broncos, who thanks to the Broncos was taking care of business, didn't mm-hmm. have to sweat that game. The Raiders, uh, they're driving down first possession of the game. I'm like, oh, this is gonna, they're just gonna cakewalk. 
and Derek Carr throws a pick six. And they get stuffed on fourth and one. The Dolphins score again. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> Justin Tucker Justin Tucker made this for nothing. But no, the Raiders finally came through in a roller coaster of a game. Cash that parlay. I hope you tailed. Um, I'm going to stick with player props as I like to do um, on primetime. My best bet is Tony Pollard over 20 and a half receiving yards. He has eclipsed this number each of the first two weeks. He's seen his snap count increase. 21 snaps in week two. He is showing that he is the more efficient running back compared to to Ezekiel Elliott. The Eagles ranked 11th in rushing yards allowed per attempt. I think this is going to be a pass-heavy game, as you saw in week one for the Cowboys against a very good run defense team um, in, in the Bucks. And so, to me, Tony Pollard, low number. All he needs is a couple of catches to get it done. I think he eclipses 20 and a half receiving yards, and that is my best bet I for like tonight's one, game. Joe. Thanks. I'm telling you on that Yeah? One. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. I love uh, it. <laughs> guys that is it we wrap up week three tonight and we'll talk about week four on thursday thanks for watching thanks for listening thanks for hanging out with us